We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And away we go. Episode 591 of the Al Galdi Podcast. It is Friday, June 9th. 2023. It is hopefully a day on which we have better air quality in the Washington, D.C. area. Who knew that wildfires in Canada could cause such problems as far down south as our area? Uh, I actually got this tweet from our friend Commander Canada, uh, writes Commander Canada, on behalf of all of Canada, I apologize for the smoke. (laughs) Uh, Thank you. Commander Canada, uh, your apology is appreciated. You know, one of the many policies on this podcast is we want the smoke, but uh, this smoke from Canada, uh, not the smoke that we're talking about. Hello and welcome to this Friday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Well, we're not sure if the smoke is over. We do know, though, that the commander's three-day mandatory minicamp is over. Uh, Next segment, a full report on and discussion of the best of what head coach Rod Rivera had to say in a post-practice press conference on Thursday afternoon. Uh, Ron addressed the sale of the team. Uh, Ron addressed what he's thinking about quarterback Sam Howell off the bulk of the team's offseason practices now being complete. Uh, Ron addressed something that uh, our commanders have been working on this offseason, what is something that uh, the team did not do so well last season, the screen pass. Uh, If you watched uh, Commander's games last season, you know that the screen pass uh, was not such a good thing. Well, all of that and a lot more is coming up Next segment, lots of good Commanders content for you on this installment of the podcast. As remember, I talk Commanders on every single episode of this podcast, no matter the time of year. Uh, Also coming up on the show, Wizards Conversation. We on Thursday afternoon at District E... Uh, which is adjacent to Capital One Arena in Washington, D.C., had an introductory press conference for the new leadership of our Wizards. So speaking at the presser were the Wizards owner, Monumental Sports and Entertainment founder and CEO Ted Leonsis, uh, the president of Monumental Basketball, Michael Winger, and the Wizards' new general manager, Will Dawkins. Uh, I'm going to play for you and react to the most significant things that were said. Among those things, Winger on the goal being to win an NBA championship. Imagine that. Uh, And Winger on the possibility of a rebuild for the Wizards. Uh, Winger was not shy about talking about winning a championship, nor was he shy about talking about 
the possibility of a rebuild. Uh, so a lot to get into with the Wizards. Uh, and I will talk Orioles. Uh, they on Thursday afternoon won uh, to avoid being swept in a series for the first time this season, a 6-3 win at the National League Central leading Milwaukee Brewers in a game in which the O's overcame a 3 nothing seventh inning deficit. You know, the O's have not been very good lately, but they in this game did do a number of things well. Uh, we do not have a Nationals game to talk about because the Nats game got postponed. Uh, the Nats were to play the National League West leading Arizona Diamondbacks at Nationals Park on Thursday afternoon at 105 in Game 3 of a three-game series, but the game got postponed due to the air, uh, due to what Major League Baseball called, quote, clearly hazardous air quality conditions in Washington, D.C., end quote. And so the game will be made up on Thursday afternoon, June 22nd at 105, uh, setting the Nats up for quite the stretch. No scheduled off days from June 13th through June 28th. Uh, next up for the Nats, by the way, a three-game series at the National League East leading Atlanta Braves this weekend. Uh, also with the Nats, they on Thursday afternoon announced that they had claimed lefty reliever Joe LaSorsa off waivers from the Tampa Bay Rays and had optioned him to AAA Rochester. Uh, the lack of a quality lefty in the bullpen has been a problem, among many problems, <laughs> for the Nats bullpen here this season. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. I have received a good bit of feedback <laughs> on uh, me having COVID. Uh, email from Thomas Murphy, aka MurphMD. Wish you a speedy recovery. If you have any medical questions, please reach out. You remember, I'm your pod sleep specialist who also practices pulmonary medicine. Uh, thank you, Murph. I appreciate that. Email from Mike. Heard on your pod on Thursday morning that you have COVID. I'm sorry to hear it and just wanted to send you a note letting you know that we're thinking about you and hoping that you feel better soon. The same thing happened to me earlier this year. Avoided COVID until 2023. Then wham. That said, thanks so much for soldiering on with the podcast. That is real commitment that you have for your listeners and much appreciated. Well, thank you for that, Mike. But the truth is, this week, each day, I've been home all day and uh, not doing much. So uh, I might as well do the show. Uh, my schedule this week has been pretty simple. Sleeping and doing the two podcasts that I do. This one and the Dad Chat podcast. I've been alternating between sleep and podcast. Uh, lots of feedback on the passing of legendary pro wrestler, the Iron Sheik, especially given his importance to this podcast. Uh, I talked about our guy, Sheiky Baby, uh, on Thursday's show, episode 590. Tweet from Drew, checking in on Goldie, noting his sickness and the Iron Sheik's passing. Rough few days. You good. Uh, thank you for the tweet, Drew. Yes, uh, I think I'll live. Tweet from District Sports Talk. Rest in peace, Sheiky Baby. Uh, thank you for that district sports talk. Uh, email from Mike. Wow, I saw on ESPN the passing at 81 years old of the Iron Sheik. Make him humble is one of your best drops. And as an emailer, I think that I've pointed that out to you a ton. As a child of the 80s, I loved the WWF on Saturday TV. R.I.P. Iron Sheik. Uh, thank you for the email, Mike. Uh, I like you, a child of the 80s and early 90s, and uh, the WWF, a staple of Saturday morning television back in the day. Email from Jack L. Wrestling has lost a legend. Uh, thank you for the email, Jack. Yeah, although I got to say this, I am quite glad that our guy Sheiky Baby made it to 81, given his drug issues, okay? Like, if you know the Iron Sheik story, you know that this guy put his body through a lot 
and so many other wrestlers, especially uh, contemporaries of the Iron Sheik, ended up dying before turning 50. So that he made it to 81 actually is a pretty good accomplishment. Um, I'm happy that he lived for that long. I really am because uh, he could have wound up like a lot of other guys and been dead uh, before 50. Email from Yano. R.I.P. to your boy, the Iron Sheik. I know that you're a huge wrestling fan. Please play the great drop of Sheiky Baby. Make him humble. Uh, Thank you for the email, Yano. Here you go. Make him humble. That's right. Rest in peace to the Iron Sheik as uh, the Make Him Humble now takes on even more significance. Well, for more than 40 years, the law firm of Paulson and Nace has been making humble those people and entities responsible for the harm of others. For more than 40 years, the law firm of Paulson and Nace has been putting those people and entities responsible for the harm of others in the camel clutch. Make him humble. That's right, Cheeky Baby. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Founded in 1979, Paulson and Nace is dedicated to promoting the rights of seriously injured persons and their families. You can call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Ace handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. Paulson and Ace is widely respected throughout Washington, D.C. and West Virginia for the firm's accomplishments both in and out of courtrooms. Chris Nace and Matt Nace are dedicated trial attorneys who do not balk in the face of large insurance companies or well-known businesses that have had practices or products that are directly related to the root of your harm. And by the way, a big congratulations to Chris Nace, who was just named the 2023 Barry J. Nace Trial Lawyer of the Year. This by the D.C. Trial Lawyers Association. Paulson and Nace does not accept low settlement offers that benefit the people who cause clients harm more than the offers benefit the clients. This is because Paulson and Nace is not afraid to take a case to trial, and that's because Paulson and Nace wins trials. Paulson and Nace has secured millions of dollars in verdict and settlement amounts for clients to better enable them to care for themselves and their families. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit paulsonandnace.com. That's paulsonandnace.com. Just make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace, if you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Well, a big help is if you subscribe to rate and review this podcast. Uh, You can subscribe to the podcast via most platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, A subscription to the pod costs you nothing and make sure that you never miss an episode. Uh, You on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated. And you on Apple Podcasts can write a review saying that you like the podcast. Uh, The review can be just a sentence or two. Uh, Can't be more, but doesn't have to be. But thank you very much for subscribing, rating, 
and reviewing. So the Commander's three-day mandatory minicamp now is over. Uh, we on Thursday had the third of the three mandatory minicamp practices, uh, a practice that took place in the team's indoor practice facility uh, in the bubble uh, due to the air quality concerns in the Washington, D.C. area. So all that's left for the team in terms of off-season practices is an OTA practice this Tuesday, and the team is holding that practice. Uh, remember, the team got docked to OTA practices for this offseason. Uh, we last June 17th learned that the NFL had fined head coach Rod Rivera $100,000 and had stripped the team of two OTA practices for the 2023 offseason. Uh, this due to there having been excessive contact during the team's 2022 offseason program. So we this Tuesday have this final OTA practice of the offseason, and then that's it. Uh, the offseason program will be done, and the team won't be back together again until the start of training camp in late July. Uh, Rod Rivera on Thursday afternoon did a post-practice press conference. This was Ron on Thursday afternoon on what he has on his agenda once the commanders are done with their offseason practices and embark on about a six-week break until the start of training camp. Well, it won't be six weeks. Um, it'll, it'll be probably wait and see what's happening, what's going on. You know, we're going to finish up as coaches and 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 be done with uh, all of our preparation for for training camp next week. Um, and then uh, we'll we'll take a little downtime, get out, but obviously keeping an eye out for what's going on. Um, you know, obviously with the sale, and that's probably the biggest thing that we've, we've, we're waiting for. You know, and uh, we'll see how it happens. And um, you know, un- until then, it's you know we'll try to enjoy our, our, our time off and just um, you know refresh. Ah, uh, yes, the sale of the Commanders to the Josh Harris Group. Uh, how soon? Will that sale be done? Uh, so Harris and the number two man in his group, Mitchell Rails, uh, they on Wednesday met with the NFL Finance Committee in New York. Uh, according to the Washington Post, the meeting lasted for about two and a half hours and the meeting went well. Uh, said one source to the Post, quote, it was very positive. It went really well. It's not done yet, but unless something crazy happens, it's going to get done and it will get approved, end quote, and added the post, quote, unless there are any unforeseen setbacks from here, the NFL Finance Committee is expected to recommend approval of Josh Harris's $6.05 billion deal for the commanders, source said, and the owners could take a ratification vote in mid to late July, end quote. Uh, now, Ron Rivera has admitted that the sale having not been finalized is holding up. Uh, things like contract extensions for edge defender Montez Sweat and safety Cameron Curl. Here was Ron on Thursday afternoon on how much it would help to have the sale of the team finalized prior to the start of training camp. And then you'll hear a follow-up exchange with Commander's Insider Matthew Paris of the Washington Times. I think it'll help a lot. I mean, there's still some things that we've we've got to, we've got to be able to move on from and 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 have decided on, um, and so that's just the biggest part of it is just you know being able to get all those other little details taken care of that we need to have taken care of. Um, so that's that's a big part of it for us. Can I follow up real quick? Yeah. Uh, when everything's on hold for like the contract talks, can, can you? Uh, I know you can, but ha- have you guys still been in contact with the agents to? to gauge kind of what well what we've tried to do more so than anything else just kind of let everybody know exactly what you said we're, we're kind of on hold you know and um and you know and, and just being able to let those people know that hey guys just a matter of time you know we've got to go through this 
Um, you know, we've got to be able to, to present the plan to the ownership, and, and, and you know, they've got to be in, in agreement with it, too. I mean, we can't go on until we get a chance to explain to them exactly what our thoughts and ideas are and whether they agree or disagree. I mean, that's, that's going to be very important um, to be able to, 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 you know, to get those kind of uh, answers going forward um, to help this organization. More than anything else, this really is about making sure we're in the right position going forward more than anything else. Yeah, and what Ron Rivera hit on right there is a key point. He and his staff may have things that they want to do, but if Josh Harris doesn't agree with Ron on those things, then those things aren't going to happen. It's funny, Ron, as the head coach in a coach-centric approach, is in charge of all of Commander's football operations, and we've become accustomed to him being in charge of all things football operations. We've become accustomed to him being the Don of football operations, to being Don Ron, But uh, the Don right now is a bit neutered with the sale of the team not having been finalized. Uh, But uh, hopefully the sale is going to be finalized soon. Uh, So the Commanders this offseason have had six OTA practices and three mandatory minicamp practices, nine showcase opportunities for Sam Howell as the team's QB1. This was Ron Rivera on Thursday afternoon on his uh, principal takeaways regarding Sam over the team's first two weeks of OTA practices and now this week's mandatory minicamp. Well, I think a, a big a big part of it right now has been more so than you know improving on some of the little things that we were concerned with uh, coming out of last season. Now, again, footwork probably one of the, one of the things that you you know you always you always want these young guys to understand how important it is, especially coming from you know one program to another. You, you've got to understand you know that that it's a little bit different. Speed's a little bit different, so we just got to make sure those things are corrected. Uh, second thing, you know, I, I really appreciate his you know his, his his work ethic, the way he's really diving into this, um, the extra work he's putting in. Um, I, I like you know some of the decisions he makes out there are really good. Some of the other ones are still learning, still growing. Um, you know, and he's uh, he's shown improvement, and that's probably the biggest thing that we're excited about. Uh, Well, we on this podcast have been talking quite a bit about Sam Howell. Uh, The key right now, of course, is that he's getting better. Uh, The job of commander starting quarterback very much is his to lose, especially given that he's taking all of the first team practice reps, at least as far as we can tell, because not every offseason practice has been open to the media. But certainly nobody of consequence has said otherwise in terms of Sam having not taken all of the first team practice reps so far this offseason. But regarding the quarterback competition with Jacoby Brissett, to whatever extent this competition exists, uh, we on Thursday afternoon had this exchange between a guest on Monday's show, episode 587, Commander's Insider Sam Fortier of the Washington Post, and Ron Rivera. Did Sam show you enough through minicamp to kind of keep this QB1 spot for now going into camp? And is that you know, kind of the plan. Yeah, he's pretty much shown us what we want to see. I mean, again, he's young. We know he's young. He's you know he's he's a second year player. Who, you know, got an opportunity to start last year, uh, but there is a lot of room for growth, and we know that. But he's got a good skill set. You know, he's he's mobile. He's got good foot movement. He's got quick twitch to him. Good decision maker. Um, you know, he's still learning to make those decisions, but he's also got the arm talent, and that's the thing that you know that that excites us. All right. So Ron Rivera isn't gushing over Sam Howell, but Ron is being complimentary of Sam. Quote, he's pretty much shown us what we wanted to see. End quote. Uh, Well, something that would be great for Sam and for the commanders as a whole uh, would be a, shall we say, functional screen game. 
Uh, the commanders in these offseason practices have been working a good bit on the screen game. Uh, the commanders last season were horrendous in the screen game. Uh, the team's new assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy. Uh, he, over the last five seasons as Kansas City Chiefs offensive coordinator, was part of some very good screen games. Uh, a good screen game, of course, requires good blocking, so a good screen game isn't easy, but the screen game is a low-risk, potential, high-reward play that, in theory, gets balls to playmakers in space. Rod Rivera, on Thursday afternoon, on the commanders gunning for having more screen passes this coming season, with Eric Bieniemy running the offense. It'll be about the matchups, and it'll be about you know things that you want to create, um, and just knowing you know as to what I I don't disagree with what you saw on tape because same thing that you know kind of pointed me in that direction towards Eric from from the stuff that I was doing in, in, at the end of January and February. Um, it's just looking at the things that they did, and looking at the creative ways they got the ball into the hands of their playmakers, and that's one of the things that you know we feel we we need to be able to take advantage of is get the ball quickly into their hands and give them some space to make moves and and make things happen. And someone who you figure would be a big part of the Commanders this coming season having a uh, proper screen game would be running back Antonio Gibson. Big season coming up for uh, AG. Uh, He's entering the fourth and final season of his rookie contract. He, as an NFL running back, is yet to truly emerge as the major pass-catching threat who he hoped he would be uh, when the team took him in the third round of the 2020 NFL Draft. Now, him having not emerged as a big-time pass-catching threat isn't necessarily all on him. Uh, The team's uh, quarterback instability has had at least something uh, to do with that uh, lack of emerging. But uh, Antonio Gibson has certainly the potential to be much more productive as a pass catcher. Might Gibson thrive as a pass catcher in this Eric Bieniemy coordinated commander's offense? Ron Rivera on Thursday afternoon on Antonio Gibson as a potential major weapon in the screen game. I think it's one of the things that when you look at some of the, the options that Eric has as far as the offensive personnel is concerned, that's one of the things that he's looking for is guys that are going to create those kind of matchups and are going to be, you know, matchup nightmares for the opponent. So, you know, he is a guy that we most certainly want to continue to work with. And, and you know, and, and Eric wants to make sure this guy gets as many opportunities right now to show us what he's capable of, because I think that'll be a big part of uh, the game planning. You know, it's probably silly to compare anything of the Commanders with anything of the Chiefs, given that uh, they have the great Patrick Mahomes as their starting quarterback. But uh, let's go ahead and be silly. (laughs) Uh, Chiefs running back Jarek McKinnon last regular season, 56 receptions for 512 yards and nine touchdowns. Uh, Chiefs running backs Jarek McKinnon, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and Isaiah Pacheco last regular season, a combined 86 receptions for 793 yards and 12 touchdowns. Running backs, when used properly, can be major weapons in passing games. Would be lovely to see Antonio Gibson this coming season have a big season as a pass catcher. Well, I mentioned the importance of blocking in the screen game. Uh, That is where the revamped offensive line comes into play. Now, in terms of actual competition, the biggest actual competition on the revamped offensive line appears to be at left guard. Uh, Sadiq Charles versus Chris Paul, with uh, Sadiq getting the first crack at being the starting left guard. Uh, The Redskins took Sadiq Charles out of LSU in the fourth round of the 2020 
NFL draft. Uh, the Skins made that pick literally minutes after announcing that they had traded left tackle Trent Williams to the San Francisco 49ers for a 2020 fifth round pick and a 2021 third round pick. Uh, the concern with Sadiq coming out of college was that he had served two suspensions at LSU, a one-game suspension in 2018 and a six-game suspension in 2019. But Sadiq for LSU was a really good left tackle. Uh, he, in the 2019 season, started nine games at left tackle for an LSU offensive line that was named the Joe Moore Award winner for the top offensive line in the nation. Uh, Sadiq, in that 2019 season, protected the blind side for Heisman Trophy winning quarterback Joe Burrow, uh, who in that 2019 season had what I believe and what others believe is the greatest season that any player has ever had in college football. But Sadiq Charles with Washington has had a very hard time staying healthy and just hasn't played much. Uh, This was Ron Rivera on Thursday afternoon on what he has seen from Sadiq Charles to make Ron believe that Sadiq could be the commander's starting left guard. Well, first and foremost, we always know Seeks had the uh, the skill set to do it. Um, he's got to stay healthy. That's probably the biggest thing right now for him, um, more so than anything else. I mean, that that always seemed to be the issue. If you go back and look at the the, the, the times he's played, um, you know, something has come up. Whether it's, it's been the calf, it's been uh, the uh, the ankle, um, the shoulder. Um, so you you just hope that he stays he stays healthy because um, he has the skill set. He's got the physical makeup, um, and again, it's just a matter of, of of being able to stay healthy. I believe. Yeah, you know, Rod Rivera enlisting all of those Sadiq Charles injuries didn't even mention the knee. Uh, Sadiq, in his 2020 rookie season, suffered a knee injury on the second offensive snap of a game. Uh, This in a loss at the New York Giants in Week 6. He ended up being placed on the reserve injured list on October 24th, 2020. Again, he has had a really hard time staying healthy. Well, speaking of needing to stay healthy, uh, the commanders need their tight ends to stay healthy. A lot of injury for the commanders at tight end in recent years. Uh, We on Thursday's show, episode 590, talked about tight end Cole Turner off comments from Rod Rivera during his pre-practice press conference on Wednesday morning. Rod on Thursday afternoon again got asked about Cole Turner, but Ron then quickly pivoted into talking up all of the team's tight ends. Take a listen. Well, um, and not just him, but I think if you talk about one of the units that, that I think is vastly improved, it's that one, uh, the tight end unit. You know, and, and, and a lot of it has to do with the development of the young guys, more so than anything else. I mean, you you, you know, look at, look at John and, and you say, wow, this that guy's really grown. I mean, you know, his, his role for us is going to be a little bit different than it's been traditionally. Um, then you look at what you're getting from Cole and you look at some of the dynamic things he's doing, showing that's pretty much the same thing we saw last year until, like you said, he got dinged up a little bit. Um, Curtis Hodges is a guy that's really stepped up. You know, he, he, he you, know, we, you know, we were able to put him on injured reserve and then uh, never got a chance to get him off of it. But at the end, when, when we activated him, um, you know, to, to we, you know, we designate him for return and we obviously ran out of time with him, but we got to see some of the things that we wanted to. And now we're seeing it again. And, and, and it, that's cause for optimism. And then the guy that's, you know, that's back and you're real happy to see him back, obviously, is Logan. And, and he's really shown us, you know, that some of the things that they did in Kansas City, we're going to be able to do with him and the other guys. 
Of course, the injury bug for the commanders at tight end has continued into this offseason uh, with what happened with Armani Rogers. Uh, Ron Rivera, in a pre-OTA practice press conference on May 24th, announced that Rodgers had suffered a non-contact Achilles injury on May 23rd, uh, which was the team's first day of OTA practices this offseason. But yeah, you'd like to think that out of Logan Thomas, John Bates, Cole Turner, and Curtis Hodges, uh, this team can get good production at tight end. Logan is especially interesting. He last season, in his first season back from the badly torn left knee, did not have a good season. Uh, Logan, in a win at the Las Vegas Raiders on December 5th, 2021, suffered a torn left ACL, MCL, and meniscus. He, in the 2022 regular season, played in 14 of the Commander's 17 games. He had 39 receptions for 323 yards and one touchdown on 61 targets. Although, as you may recall, there may well have been issues between Logan and the team's uh, now-fired offensive coordinator, Scott Turner. We, this past January 7th, had a big report from Sam Fortier with the headline, quote, Commander's players are frustrated with offensive play calling, end quote. The report included the following on-the-record quote, from Logan Thomas, quote, the way I put it is, we got so much talent, we should be scoring more points than we have been, end quote. Additionally, Logan's wife, Brandy Thomas, uh, she on January 7th wrote the following on Instagram, quote, so much offensive talent, you think if you had weapons, you'd utilize them, end quote. Uh, Not too difficult to decipher what she was trying to say with that. So, you know, Logan last season was not at his best. I think it's important to make that clear. But there's no doubt that uh, better offensive coordinating could lead to better results for him and for the rest of the team's tight ends. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. So we on Thursday afternoon had the introductory press conference for the Wizards' new leadership team led by the president of Monumental Basketball, Michael Winger. Although, (laughs) hysterically, and hopefully not tellingly, the press conference began without Winger. Uh, He apparently was not at 
the press conference for its beginning. And so the presser began with the Wizards owner, Monumental Sports and Entertainment founder and CEO Ted Leonsis sitting at a table (laughs) next to two empty chairs, uh, which did end up being filled by Winger and the Wizards' new general manager, Will Dawkins. But uh, not an ideal start to the press conference. The guy who was being introduced not being at the press conference. Uh, That, my friends, is what you call So Wizards. The damn Washington Wizards. Yes, thank you, Stephen A. Smith. Uh, Well, the Wizards on Thursday morning officially announced the hirings of Will Dawkins as general manager and Travis Schlenk as senior vice president of player personnel and announced the promotion of John Thompson III to senior vice president of Monumental Basketball. Uh, The Dawkins and Schlenk hirings were already known. The promotion of JT3 had not been known. Uh, John Thompson III was hired as part of the uh, newly created Monumental Basketball in July 2019. So he actually has been involved with the Wizards for a while. We, of course, uh, know JT3 best as having been the uh, head men's basketball coach at Georgetown, April 2004 to March 2017. The three people who spoke at this press conference on Thursday afternoon were Ted Leonsis, Michael Winger, and Will Dawkins. The most significant things that were said at the presser did come from Winger. Uh, First of all, he said something that in theory should be obvious, but uh, with our team needs to be said. The goal is to win an NBA championship. The goal is not the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference. No, the goal is to win an NBA championship. And the reason that this needs to be said with our team is that uh, our team has not come close to an NBA title in more than 40 years. The Bullets slash Wizards have not advanced past the second round of the NBA playoffs since 1979. The team has not had a 50-win regular season since the 1978-1979 season. And so as a fan of the Bullets slash Wizards my entire life as a sports fan, it was encouraging to hear this from Michael Winger on Thursday afternoon. The eventual expectation is that we're going to build build a a generational contender. We're going to eventually have a team that is competing for championships. I I can't promise when that'll be, but there's, there's no excuse for the lone NBA team in Washington, D.C., not to be a perennial contender or at least be pursuing championships. And so that's the goal. The goal is to pursue championships by any means necessary. Um, it'll take time, and it's, it's, it's going to start. It's going gonna, it's gonna to start on the ground floor, um, not just players, not just coaches. It's, it's everything. We're going to do everything a little bit better tomorrow than it's being done today, and that's the mantra we're going to take in every day. Eventually, we're going to hoist a trophy here in D.C. I just, I can't promise you when. All right, there you go. Michael Winger, quote, we're going to build a generational contender, end quote. Uh, Again, saying that the goal is an NBA championship shouldn't need to be said, but in this case, that did need to be said because the Wizards too often have come off like a team that would rather play things safe and be a team with a realistic ceiling of a six seed in the Eastern Conference, then take some chances with the idea of being a one seed in the Eastern Conference. Now, along the lines of taking some chances and thinking big, what about the notion of a true rebuild, an all-in total teardown rebuild? 
This is especially significant given what's coming up, uh, the Kyle Kuzma and Chris Dapps Porzingis player option decisions. Uh, Each guy reportedly must decide by June 21st whether to exercise a player option for next season. Uh, Kuzma's is for $13 million. Uh, Ain't no way that he's exercising that. Porzingis' player option is for $36 million. Uh, We, of course, also have Bradley Beal entering year two of the uh, oh-so-wonderful five-year, $251 million Supermax contract to which he was re-signed last July. And so we, on Thursday afternoon, had this exchange between Rich Dubroff of the Associated Press and Michael Winger. Do you have the uh, do you have the authority to embrace a total, you know, t- a total teardown if you choose that that's the most appropriate form? And do you expect that those three players will be with the team come training camp? The answer to the first question is yes. Full authority to reset the team if that's what we decided we need to do. We just haven't sat down to figure that out yet. And so... I truly don't know about the second question. Both Kyle and KP have the power of choice. And then it, uh, I think it's the day before the draft, they have options that they have to exercise or not. So they, they have the power of choice. And so they can choose to be here or not. Um, we'll have the appropriate conversations once we're permitted to have those conversations. Um, but first things first, yes, we have the authority to do that if that's what we decide to do. And right now, I sort of have to defer to, to those guys to see where their, their heads are. Um, and I'm eager, as Will said, you know, they have really tremendous agents who are extremely good at their job, very collaborative. Um, and we're going to have conversations with, with those guys and figure out what the future looks like together. Okay, now it had been reported that Michael Winger had the authority to engage in a full-fledged rebuild, but what we had on Thursday afternoon was Winger saying this publicly, and by the way, saying this while sitting right next to his boss, Ted Leonsis. Uh, An all-in total teardown rebuild by the Wizards would guarantee them nothing, and it's not even necessarily the path that the team should take, but that's not the point. The point is that an all-in total teardown rebuild is on the table, is a possibility that doing something that drastic could happen. And that's a good thing because all things should be under consideration with this team. And while Winger said that he and his crew have not decided whether a rebuild is the way that the Wizards should go, there's no way that he and his crew have not at least thought about a rebuild, uh, if not decided on a rebuild. Uh, What about who is in charge of what? According to the press release that came out on Thursday morning, Will Dawkins, quote, will be charged with immersing himself in the day-to-day operations of the Wizards, managing basketball operations, and overseeing the Capital City Go-Go, end quote. Travis Schlenk, quote, will oversee all Wizards player personnel evaluation, including managing the scouting staff, end quote. And John Thompson III, quote, will be focused on exploring and implementing best practices for the Wizards, Mystics, and Go-Go while ensuring accountability for excellence across the organization, end quote. Uh, This is Michael Winger on Thursday afternoon on the decision-making for Wizards basketball operations. I think it's probably unorthodox insofar as Will and I are going to collaborate on every meaningful roster decision, every meaningful top-level executive decision, but 
there shouldn't be a mistake. Will is running, Will is running basketball operations for the Wizards, and whatever that day-to-day -day management requires, whatever decisions that requires, that's those are Will's decisions to make. Corporate decisions, higher-level player personnel decisions. I'm certainly going to be involved. There's, there's going to be a team of us involved. Um, Coach Thompson is involved. Travis is involved. Wes will be involved. Will, myself, others. Um, but it, it, it's we're going to be just as Will and I were in Oklahoma City together, a very collaborative group. And there's just not going to be. I, I, I'd like to say there will be none, but that's that's probably unlikely. But I would say close to zero siloed decision making. So how about Michael Winger saying that Will Dawkins is running Wizards basketball operations? Quote, Will is running basketball operations for the Wizards, end quote. Now, that said, Winger clearly is overseeing basketball operations for the Wizards. Uh, Will Dawkins is impressive. Uh, he was with the Oklahoma City Thunder organization from 2008 to 2023. He started with the team as an intern, worked his way up to being the team's vice president of basketball operations. He worked with Michael Winger from 2010 to 2017. Winger was Oklahoma City Thunder assistant general manager and was part of the team's legal and administration departments from July 2010 to July 2017. And Winger then was the Los Angeles Clippers general manager from July 2017 until taking this job as president of Monumental Basketball. The official announcement came on May 25th. Uh, Travis Schlenk, he ran the Atlanta Hawks basketball operations from May 2017 to December 2022 and was assistant general manager for the Golden State Warriors from July 2011 to May 2017. There is a lot to like with Winger, Dawkins, and Schlenk. Uh, but here we are, a massive front office change with the Wizards. Uh, we had Ernie Grunfeld running Wizards basketball operations from June 30th, 2003 until April 2nd, 2019. Uh, he first was president of basketball operations. He then got elevated uh, to team president. Uh, we had Tommy Shepard running Wizards basketball operations from April 2nd, 2019 until this past April 19th. Uh, he first was interim general manager, then general manager, and then president and general manager. And uh, now we have the power trio of Michael Winger, Will Dawkins, and Travis Schlenk running Wizards basketball operations. Going from bad to good in the NBA is hard. Uh, harder, I'd say, than in the NFL, Major League Baseball, or the NHL. There's irony in this being the case because basketball has the fewest players as compared to football, baseball, and hockey. But in the NBA, generally speaking, once you're really good, you stay really good for a while. And once you're bad, you stay bad for a while. Uh, all of that said, going from bad to good in the NBA is doable. Going from bad to good in the NBA does happen. Uh, has not happened for our team anytime recently. The Wizards have missed the playoffs in four of the last five seasons and haven't had a winning regular season since the 2017-2018 season. The Wizards are bad. It is time to get good. I hope like heck that Michael Winger, Will Dawkins, and Travis Schlenk make our team good.
Well, the Orioles went into Thursday trying to avoid being swept in a series for the first time this season, and I am happy to say that the O's still have not been swept in a series this season. A 6-3 win at the National League Central leading Milwaukee Brewers on Thursday afternoon in a game in which the O's overcame a 3-0 seventh inning deficit, and in a game that got the O's back, Joe Angel in the win column. And the Orioles again in the win column. That's right, Joe. The win column. Uh, the O's now are 38 and 24, third best record in the American League. Uh, this was just their fifth win in 12 games. Uh, the Orioles' offense in this series didn't do much really up until the final three innings of this game on Thursday afternoon. Uh, so the O's on Thursday afternoon for the game totaled six runs, 10 hits and two walks. Uh, Also went 3-10 with runners in scoring position. But the O's over the final three innings on Thursday afternoon scored all six of the team's runs in the game, had six of the team's 10 hits in the game, and worked one of the team's two walks in the game. Uh, Also, six of the Orioles' 10 hits in this game were extra base hits, two home runs and four doubles. Uh, Gunnar Henderson, he in his second game back from a two-game absence caused by lower back discomfort, big home run, uh, he is the Orioles' starting shortstop and number five batter, went one for three with a two-run homer and a walk. Uh, Henderson in an Orioles' three-run eighth, a two-out first pitch, go-ahead two-run opposite field home run to left field to give the O's a 4-3 lead. Now, I mentioned Henderson being the Orioles' starting shortstop. Uh, he was the starting shortstop with Jorge Mateo getting a day off. Well, <laughs> at least from starting. Uh, Mateo did uh, come into the game off the bench. But uh, Henderson in the Brewers' three-run first inning uh, did have a defensive boo-boo. Uh, he pulled up on a first-pitch single by Willie Adamas, thinking that Orioles second baseman Adam Frazier was going to make the play. But Henderson also had a very nice defensive play. Uh, bottom of the fourth, a great diving catch of a grounder up the middle by Brian Anderson for what ended up being a ground out for the second out. So there was a lot going on with Gunnar Henderson on Thursday. This was O's manager Brandon Hyde during his postgame session with reporters on Thursday on Gunnar Henderson. It just shows you the power he has. Um, doesn't need to try to pull the ball. Doesn't need to try to do too much. He's so strong and got so much leverage that you can take a ball out over the plate and drive it the other way. And uh, you know, another guy that's working his tail off to and frustrated at times. Um, wants to have success so bad and young player and to have him see him do that. That was special. How nice was it to see him bounce back from that defensive blunder in the first? To- not just make a really good play defensively, but then hit that home yeah, run. Yeah, after that, he played great defensively at shortstop. Made that diving play to, to his left. Shows you the athlete that he is. Not easy to do when he's not going to play every day over there also. And, uh, you know, we give him Mateo a day off. He's the guy. And and, uh, and we, we screwed up a little bit early in the game, but then we did a nice job after that. Yeah, Gunnar Henderson entering this season was the consensus number one prospect in baseball. Uh, Now, his overall offensive numbers for this season aren't great. Uh, He, for this regular season, has a batting average of just 206, uh, an on-base percentage of 332. That's all right. Uh, A slugging percentage of 400. Uh, But the talent is there, and the defensive versatility is tremendous. I mean, Gunnar Henderson can play third base, shortstop, and second base. Not many guys in the majors Uh, about whom you can say that. 
Uh, also on Thursday afternoon, Ramon Arias, uh, who had not done much lately. Uh, he is the Orioles' starting third baseman and number eight batter, three for four with a solo homer, a double, a single, and a stolen base. Arias in an Orioles one run seventh, two out opposite field, solo home run to right field to cut the Orioles' deficit to 3 1. The Orioles' starting pitcher on Thursday afternoon was Kyle Bradish. Uh, he was coming off a bad outing, 4 nothing loss at the San Francisco Giants this past Saturday night. Bradish in that game lasted for just four innings. Uh, he allowed three runs, all of which came in a bottom of the third in which he gave up two doubles and three singles. Well, Bradish on Thursday afternoon had another bad inning, but he then was really good. Uh, Bradish allowed three runs in five innings with 10 strikeouts versus one walk. He, in the bottom of the first, allowed three runs on four singles and a walk, uh, although there was some bad luck uh, in that three-run first. But Bradish then tossed four scoreless innings, during which he had nine strikeouts versus no walks. He was dominant over those final four innings before giving up a leadoff double in the bottom of the sixth. Uh, Bradish, in this outing, 98 pitches, 63 strikes versus 35 balls. Uh, Brandon Hyde during his postgame session with reporters on Thursday on Kyle Bradish. Well, I mean, for me, leadoff walk. I mean, leads. You know, he's got a Yelich O two, and we got to be, but we got to do better at that. I got a guy O two goes to three two, and you walk him. Um, and then we made some mistakes the next couple of plays, and then just balls up out over the plate. He's got it. That cutter's got to be down, and uh, it, it started locating it better with the breaking ball uh, as, the, as the game went on. The stuff that you saw from Bradish today to get ten strikeouts does that kind of give you a glimpse of the upside that he has? Yeah, I mean, he, he definitely, you know, there's, we never talk about his stuff as, a, as an issue. It's all about being able to command it and uh, not walking guys, not leadoff walks, not two out walks. Um, but to be able to pitch, you know, knees and below and to be able to punch guys out and not have three, two counts every, every hitter, I did a much better job after that first inning. Yes, he did. Uh, the Orioles' bullpen on Thursday afternoon was really good. Four Orioles relievers combined for four scoreless innings. Brian Baker came into the game in the bottom of the sixth with a runner on second. No outs, and the O's trailing 3 nothing. He then retired three consecutive batters. Keegan Aiken tossed one and a third scoreless innings. Yanir Cano faced two batters and got two outs. And Felix Batista, a scoreless bottom of the ninth with two strikeouts, although he did give up a single and did issue a wild pitch. But the bullpen kept the Orioles in this game, made it possible to overcome uh, what remained a 3-0 deficit as late as the seventh inning. Uh, good win for the O's on Thursday afternoon. A needed win. More from Brandon Hyde during his postgame session with reporters. We're going three and three on the on the road feels feels a lot better than going two and four, and uh, you know, especially the way we kind of came back today too. I mean, it was looked like we were there wasn't a whole lot going right during that first inning for us defensively. You know, we made some mistakes, and then I thought Bradish settled in and did a great job after that. And then our bullpen was absolutely fantastic and allowed us to to get to some of their bullpen guys who are having really really good years. So got some big hits last third of the game and and um, you know the pitching kept us there for it all right next up for the o's a three-game series against the second worst team in the majors the kansas city royals at oriole park at camden yards game one friday night at 705 tyler wells will be the Orioles' starting pitcher. Game two Saturday afternoon at 4.05. The O's had not yet announced a starting pitcher for that game. And game three Sunday afternoon at 1.35, Kyle Gibson will be the Orioles' starting pitcher.
And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Monday show, episode 592. We'll have a lot for you on the Commanders and on the rest of our Washington, D.C. area sports weekend. The Nationals this weekend have a three-game series at the Atlanta Braves. The Orioles this weekend have a three-game series against the Kansas City Royals at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. Have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you on Monday. The eventual expectation is that we're going to build, we're going to build a, a generational contender. We're going to eventually have a team that is competing for championships. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.